good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, didn't cut again. Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor's. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. And right now, I want to start off right away. I have Rachel Thunder on the line here, and I want to get an update of what's going on at the Roof Depot uh, occupation. Welcome, Rachel. Ponte, Robert, I'm going to be brief because we have um, traffic control and Minneapolis Police Department staging now here on Hiawatha. Um, we are in full occupation at 27th and Longfellow here in South Minneapolis, occupation of the Roof Depot to stop the demolition, stop the spread and uh, a, a plume cloud of arsenic that would cover South Minneapolis and the city of Minneapolis has been fighting us as the indigenous people to um, reclaim and actually, you know, purchase the site. Um, it's not like we're asking them to just give it over to us freely. We we are fully prepared to purchase it and, and face it for the community. So, um, you know, if anybody's listening and you want to come make a stand, the stand is now. That's right. And I know you've been there since this morning. You started off in a good way with prayer and song. Um, I've been watching you on uh, uh, a bunch of live feeds. Where can uh, uh, people across Turtle Island uh, see what's going on? Um, I would follow the um, uh, EPNI, that's E-P-N-I, Indian Collective and Unicorn Riot are also doing coverage. Um, And I'm sorry to cut this short, Robert, but I'm going to have to to go and see what happens here. No, I appreciate your update, and I appreciate you and all you do for our, our uh, people all across Turtle Island. It's mm-hmm. uh, amazing, and thank you for stopping in, and we'll try and catch up with you tomorrow. Okay, thank stay, you. Stay safe. Stay safe. Mm-hmm. All right, see you. Wow, that's amazing, Ogama. Um, just a lot going on all over Turtle Island here, and plus the weather. Uh, just a uh, just to re-speak uh, about the rooftop, and I know Rachel couldn't stay on that long, Ogama, but uh, we've been covering this for weeks now, and it's uh, really coming up now. They're occupying it. I know uh, two days from now, Saturday, they're supposed to start tearing down that building. Um, so I think they tried to get a- ahead of the storm here, and there's a couple hundred people out there right now. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who aren't from the Twin Cities, uh, to kind of paint you a picture of what's happening right now is that the Roof Depot warehouse is a uh, former old Sears warehouse that sits on a former federal Superfund site. Uh, The East Phillips neighborhood in South Minneapolis had a vision to create like an urban farm, affordable housing, and and really just a community area um, on that site and had planned to purchase that site from the the city of Minneapolis. Um, And this is a battle that's been going on probably about the last five years that um, people in that neighborhood and environmentalists have been telling the city of Minneapolis that this is a really bad idea. Part of the reason that that is so, such a bad idea is because the East Phillips neighborhood is already one of the most polluted neighborhoods in the Twin Cities. They have a really high rate of asthma, much higher than the rates of uh, other places in the Twin Cities, other neighborhoods. And um, what the city of Minneapolis plans to do with this um, after they demolish this building, what they planned to do was to make it a uh, place for the city fleet, uh, for the public works fleet. So that's your, your snow plows and your trucks that carry sand and gravel and all of those things, which would then further pollute that neighborhood with uh, hundreds of diesel, diesel trucks moving through that neighborhood on a daily basis. Um, the city of Minneapolis had planned to demolish as early as February 27th, according to the Sahan Journal, um, and then begin their public works facility expansion project. Um, but this is um, 
you know, an argument between them and the East Phillips Neighborhood Institute, which is a nonprofit. And um, that they had offered to buy it, just like Rachel said. And, you know, this is just it kind of baffles me that the city wouldn't take the money to have this be bought and find find a better place for the fleet, you know, not in the middle of a of a thriving neighborhood. And and the Little Earth community, Robert, which we all know is the only uh, native preference public housing in the entire United States. Um, So, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, what happens when uh, black and brown people are, you know, in the way of these types of projects, you know, this is what happens. Exactly. You know, and it's not only black and brown people, but we talk about, you know, uh, it's really become rich against poor. And, you know, they couldn't put this in a rich neighborhood um, and because they'd get a really hard time about it, you know, and they, fi- they figure that, uh, the BIPOC people, um, I-, I was listening to some of the live stuff this morning, Ogma, and they were talking about how they reached out to the neighborhood to come and have comment, but they only did it in English. And we right. have Somali, Spanish people living there, um, you know, not to mention, you know, so none of them showed up, you know, except the Native Americans. Right. Well, why would you show up if you're not going to be able, if it's not going to be offered in your language, you know, and, you know, that also leaves out, you know, the deaf community, too. I'm sure if they weren't offering it in Spanish or Somalian or Hmong, which are three of the most common languages other than English in the Twin Cities, then uh, there's a good chance they didn't have an ASL interpreter there either. Um, and, yeah, this is, uh, you know, Plus everything. The, the invite was in just in English. I, I get, I want to correct myself, but the English, just to invite people, it was just in English. Right. But if they did the invitation in English, what I'm saying is that you, you, one could make the, the assumption that if they only did the invite in English, they probably didn't have interpreters for any right. of those languages on site. So even if those people had been told by a friend who could translate for them or a family right. member, that this was happening, why go if they're not going to give it to you in your language where you can actually understand what's happening? Well, uh, being, you know, well, the Saham first, Journal listed the demands that the group has too. I don't know. Oh, hey, shoot them out. We got, a, we, got a, we got a minute or so before we uh, transition back into uh, Native Ritz Radio. I'm awake. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the group is called Defend the Depot, and they're a coalition of the American Indian Movement, the East Phillips Neighborhood Institute, Little Earth Protectors, and other groups which are campaigning for the environmental justice. They want the city to relocate the Public Works Project give the community control of the roof depot site, fund an indoor urban farm, make plans to remove industrial polluters, a moratorium on evicting homeless encampments, invest in programs to support unhoused people and fund support peer support workers. So that is what the city um, is being asked of to do uh, by the, um, the Defend the Depot group. And they plan to um, occupy this space until the city meets their demands. Well, Ogama, you know, you were down for like the 15th and 16th time I've ever met you in person. And I I almost wish they would have kept let the mayor come to the stage so we all could boo him and ask him questions. But uh, they cut him off at at the door and told him he wasn't welcome because, first of all, he ran on protecting this neighborhood and now he voted against it. So there's a lot of things to be mad at with the boy mayor here in Minneapolis. Yeah, you know, and that's a really common tactic of politicians to go into indigenous and black and brown communities and run on protecting those communities to gain their vote and then turn around and vote against them or act like their arm is being twisted in a different way instead of, you know, standing their ground. But, um, yeah, Mayor Fry had showed up at the MMIWR rally uh, down in the East Phillips neighborhood with a proclamation claiming that the city of Minneapolis supports those uh, community members for MMIWR. And yet um, MMIWR is intrinsically linked to pollution. So, yeah, he was he was turned away from that from that um, event. Exactly. Hey, thanks, Ogma. Can you uh, let our audience know what's up next? Sure. Uh, up next, we have a Dakota Language App uh, group joining us. My Lakota is terrible, but we do have the board chair of a group of uh, Dakota Ayapi who has uh, just released a Dakota Language App. So really excited Perfect. to talk about that. 
Thank you so much, Ogma. Hey, we'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. ho Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Here. I am in uh, Coleman, one U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. And Robert, we have Shishoka here, um, here to talk about a brand new Dakota language dictionary app, which is so exciting. Really excited to hear about this. So welcome. Right on. Hey, uh, I'm really excited to see you and be involved with this, too, so we know that it's from our own people in a good heart, as opposed to some of these apps you see out there all over Turtle Island. Welcome to Native Ritz Radio. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Yes. Uh, tell, tell us, our audience, a little bit about yourself, and then uh, let's talk deep about this app and how important it is for our, uh, our language speakers and people lear- wanting to learn the language. Sure. Uh, uh, so a little bit about myself. I'm Dakota name is Shishoka Dutta, and um, I'm Dakota. Uh, it's good to be here and um, uh, talk about the app today. And, you know, the Dakota language, you know, it's a sacred language and it belongs to our Dakota people. And uh, I'm just uh, really excited about this app and uh, giving the language back to the people. Right on. And uh, how can uh, somebody get the app? Is it is it available on the App Store, both uh, iPhones? And how do we uh, go about it? Is there a website? Oh, yeah. You can find it on the App Store or the Google Play Store. So it's available for iOS and Android. And uh, uh, we have a QR code. I think you flashed it earlier. So if you scan the QR code, you can find that. Uh, 
Oh, it's not on that one. But uh, you can look it up with the name at <laughs> the top there. Uh, and if you look in the App Store under that name, uh, it'll pop right up. How long has this been in the works? I know uh, you're a language teacher, a language speaker. Uh, how long has this been in the works, and how difficult has it been to get it out there? Oh, yeah. Well, we've been working on it for a while, uh, five years to be exact. And, you know, um, why did it take so long? Sometimes people ask me that. Well, there's a number of reasons. Uh, first, we did get funding from the Minnesota Indian Affairs Council through their uh, uh, Indigenous language. They have a Indigenous language grants. And so we got grant funding from them. And um, what we did was uh, take a list of words that we needed to record. And we went out and found some fluent speakers of the language. And, you know, most of our speakers are elderly, past retirement age. And so, you know, you want to respect their time and their energy. You, you don't want to be working like eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. You know, you got to make sure you work on their schedule and what they're able to do. And so we take the list of words and we just went through the list one by one until we got through the entire list of words. Wow. And then uh, after you get through that entire list of words, you have to go back to the office and cut them down into uh, sound files. And I'm sure you guys are aware of what that entails, uh, being in radio. Uh, but, you know, sometimes when you're listening to the files, there would be like a faint noise in the background or mm -hmm. maybe they said the word like too fast or too slow, you know. And so mm -hmm. then we had to compile a list of words to re-record. And then we had to go out pre-record. And then, so that's kind of what took a, a bit of time. And then while we were recording, some of the elders we were working with passed away. Oh. So, so that made it even tougher, you know, because, you know, we realized we really got to get this done. And so it kind of created a sense of urgency. But then once we got it done, you know, um, you know, we had to put it in a database and then turn it into an app. And once you have it in app form, you have to do a beta test right and so we did the beta test and then that's kind of what took a, a some extra time was the beta phase but now it's out and uh published in the app store well that's awesome and you know uh we're all over turtle island and we're on live 11 stations in wisconsin along in minnesota and i know uh we uh, ho-chunks came out with an app just recently too so i can say macho hodus uh, is what minneapolis and st paul are uh the blue clay, uh, the place of the blue clay. And um, it's exciting. You know, I can click on that app and hear a woman's voice say it and a, and a, a male's voice say it. And uh, it really gets me going because, uh, yeah, go ahead, Ogama. I'm just rambling here. <laughs> oh, I was just wondering. I, I don't know very much Dakota. Um, I'm Ojibwe, and I know probably about this much Ojibwe myself. But um, Ojibwe is a verb-based language where everything revolves around the verb. How is Dakota? I don't know um, enough about the language. If Is it the same? Yeah, it's a verb-heavy language. Uh, so um, there's a lot of verb conjugation. Uh, but the sentence uh, order is different than English. So a lot of times, you know, we always say it's kind of the reverse order of the English sentence. So it, it can be a little frustrating sometimes for your uh, person who grew up speaking English as their first language, as a lot of our people have. And so sometimes when you're relearning your language uh, or learning it as a native person, you know, it could be a little frustrating because you kind of think, well, I should already know this or why don't I have this? Or you kind of have a, a strong feelings about why our language was taken away from us. And so it could be all those factors make it a little challenging. But, you know, I think uh, a lot of people have learned it and are learning it. And that's very encouraging to see. Yeah, it's a it's a renaissance, if you ask me, from my generation, not knowing a language at all and uh the young ones and with your help and years of your help and I know Barry Hand and you know uh working in St. Paul Public Schools and of course uh his predecessor who had been with schools for twenty, twenty five years teaching Lakota, Dakota, 
Um, is is your language uh, like Ho Chunk, where you can say the same thing, but it's different if you're sitting down or standing up? <laughs> I'm not is. sure about that. I would have to uh, ask you about that. I do know somebody in Ho Chunk language uh, named Henning. Uh-huh. Do, you, do you know who, who that is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I talked with him uh, a couple times. Uh, you know, I'm not sure, but I know there are words where it, it depends on how you stretch the word, and it, it could be a, a look almost the same spelled out, but it depends on your where you accent the word. It could mean mm-hmm. different things, you know. Wow. So you got to yeah. be really careful with your pronunciation. Don't don't want to get the elders mad at you. And, oh, wow. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I know. In Ojibwe, there's a few things, too, that are words that are spoken by by males to males or by females to females. There's there's some cultural um, and ceremonial language, too. And um, does the app and the language learning platform of the app, you differentiate between those ceremonial terms with the language? Well, we do have a uh, male and female speaker uh, audio uh, attached to the words. Uh, there's over um, 28,000 words in the app, and I'm a, I think I believe over 40,000 audio. And uh, there are some words that don't have audio, but that's because after we finalized the recording, then we added more words to the dictionary. And we said the, the recording process took a long time, so we decided we would just release it with the audio we have, and then future updates will attach more audio but there there is a uh, male and female speaker yeah and a lot of words do have uh what you would say uh uh masculine or feminine you know there's certain words that are exclusively masculine and some that are exclusively feminine um so you you do kind of have to be aware of that but you know the vast majority of the language is gender neutral Hmm. which is, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, with the English now with the, you know, pronouns and stuff. Uh, some people ask me about that. Well, what about uh, certain words? Are they genderized? And I'm saying most of the language is gender neutral. It's just wow. a small group of words like relative terms and other things that are genderized. Mm-hmm. Well, you we know, go uh, Ogama, we only get to like ask a, one more uh, quick question is the app free to download or do you have to pay for the app it's free Thank 100% you. free and it will always be free that's perfect let's give that app address one more time out there that uh, people can find it and i know uh, a friend of mine told me if i want to learn my language now i'm 60 years old uh, learn a new word every day and don't use it in english ever again um, so that that's a goal, and it's a hard goal. But, yeah, give us that, that address again. Oh, yeah. So you would go to the App Store, and you would just look up the Dakotiapi Wichoyewoapi in the App Store or the Google Play Store, and you'll find it. Wow. Pinigigi, thank you so much for being on the show. And we got to get you on again, but uh, this is just amazing, and this is good medicine. Thank you so, so much for being on. Ah, pidamaya. Ho, wa. We'll be right back. This is Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and uh, we'll be right back. Please stay with us. ho It's an absolute must for any true foodie. Vinaigrette at 50th and Xerxes in South Minneapolis offers premium oils and vinegars for the most discriminating of tastes. This is Sarah Piepenberg, owner of Vinaigrette. We bottle on-site, there's no guesswork, and you get to taste test each and every oil and vinegar we offer. Our direct relationship with the growers ensures an uncompromised level of satisfaction. When you need to know you're cooking with the finest ingredients, first contact the independently owned Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in South Minneapolis. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. 
Progressive change doesn't just happen. It takes dedication and a lot of hard work. 25 years ago, the databank pioneered a new generation of software tools for progressive organizations here in Minnesota. Since then, thousands of organizations have used the databank to create progressive change. Today, the databank continues to help progressive organizations like AM950. To have the databank help your organization build capacity and create more change, text CHANGE to 612-540-0500 or go to thedatabank.com. The databank, a quarter century of dedication and hard work for progressive organizations. This is Santita Jackson, Minneapolis, St. Paul. I couldn't be more excited about starting our days together, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 a.m. Central, on the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Winter is reading season. These long, frigid nights are perfect for getting cozy with a new book, and Next Chapter booksellers can help. The friendly staff are great at making recommendations no matter your age and taste. And if you already know what you want, just place an order online for delivery at nextchapterbooksellers.com. And don't forget, they sell a wide variety of puzzles and games that make great indoor activities for the entire family. Located off Snelling and Grand in St. Paul and at nextchapterbooksellers.com. Winter is here, and there's a good chance your home isn't being heated efficiently. And it's likely because of air sealing and insulation problems. Inadequate attic insulation is the leading contributor to high energy bills, cold rooms, and ice dams. Great news, the energy-efficient pros at Snap Construction can fix it all. Stop the heat from leaking out and save. Call 612-333-SNAP or visit snapconstruction.com for your free infrared energy inspection. Install with Snap Construction and qualify for over $750 in rebates and incentives. State and city programs are now offering 0% financing for qualifying insulation upgrades. So call Snap Construction for your free insulation energy consultation and start saving on your energy bills. Call 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP. Or visit snapconstruction.com. Snap Construction is arguably the most well-reviewed insulation and exterior contractor in the metro area. Visit snapconstruction.com. Hi, this is Laura, and I want to tell you about my family's favorite thing. It's our wood stove. We bought it about 14 years ago from woodland stoves and fireplaces. And see, the wood stove has actually paid for itself because we can keep the main area that we live in toasty warm with this great moist heat. But more important than saving money, it has actually improved our lives. Having a fire simplifies life. It provides comfort. It sort of takes the chill out of winter. I'm Peter Solak. In 1977, I started Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And I experienced the simple joy of warming myself by a fire. I also realized that the place and the way we embrace fire has evolved in a diversity of forms and styles. So at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we have brought together the widest selection of our fireplace products and technical knowledge in the Twin Cities. Our mission is to use our knowledge to help you choose the design and function that is right for you and your home. Visit Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces today and find the right fire for you. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lulia. A winter storm warning is in effect. Snow tonight along with strong winds and a low of 18. Snow continues Wednesday with a high of 24. Got your mama's hot barbecue offers the huge taste of selections like baby back ribs and pulled pork sandwiches out of a little place. Got your mama's is located just a block west of I-35W off of West Diamond Lake Road in South Minneapolis. Visit their website at scotchamamas.com. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Wow, we got another uh, great guest here, Ogma. Do you mind uh, introducing Summer to everybody? Oh, sure. Wow. Yeah, we have Summer Wilkie with us, and uh, she's a citizen of the Cherokee Nation. And uh, she's with the Indigenous Food and Agriculture Initiative based out of the University of Arkansas. Welcome. She's going to be talking about some youth uh, leadership summits and uh, programs that they have coming up here. Well, welcome to Native Roots Radio. Yo, good evening. Thanks for having me. Well, totally exciting, and I know uh, Ogama reached out to you, and uh, we are excited to amplify your voice. We're all over Turtle Island here. We're uh, on Civic Media, which is 11 live stations in Wisconsin, and, of course, uh, AM 950 here in the Twin Cities, and we're all over, uh, uh, you know, TuneIn and uh, iTunes. So we're really excited to amplify your, um, your story. 
Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share the amazing programs that we're offering for Native American youth this summer. Uh, that's Native American, Alaska Native, and Native Hawaiian youth who are all invited to our Native Youth in Food and Agriculture Leadership Summit taking place in Fayetteville, Arkansas, um, July 18th through the 23rd uh, this summer, and applications are open now for that, um, and it's just a pleasure to be able to uh, reach your audience with that opportunity. Yeah, you know what's exciting, Ogama, in summer is that I think there's a renaissance, and we talked about that with the language, too, in the last 10 years about uh, us eating our own food and being healthy. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, we hosted, last summer was my first opportunity to host this event in person. And I really saw that reflected in the young people who attended that uh, growing interest in their uh, traditional foods. It was really inspiring. That is inspiring. And now we're blessed to have uh, uh, here in the Twin Cities a new restaurant that's kind of gotten national uh, attention. And I'm still not eating any of the crickets. but uh, And then we have other chefs, too, that are, are really, you know, it's not only food, but I guess teas and things like that that are really uh, come from Mother Earth in, in, a, in, a, in a good way. Yeah, along with, uh, you know, the principles that our ancestors knew about how to manage land to make sure that we have access to all those important uh, foods and medicines. And um, uh, that's one of the areas that uh, young people can specialize in uh, while they're at the summit. We have uh, three track or four tracks that uh, students can choose to specialize in. Um, including land stewardship and conservation, but also health and nutrition, uh, law and policy, agriculture law and policy, and agricultural business and finance. So uh, it's a pretty broad range um, for students to get some specialized instruction from indigenous leaders in that field. We work really closely with the Intertribal Agriculture Council to create the curriculum and and provide those mentors for them while they're here. It's fun to hear your your Cherokee and Southern accent. (laughs) (laughs) Especially up here in Minnesota, we have, we have our own. So uh, it's interesting. We don't, we don't get a lot of um, accents from, from your area very often. So we're really glad you're here to hear new voices and sounds on the air. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us, um, are there, issues uh, with agriculture that are unique to Indian country? Like how do those compare to, to, um, you know, non-Indian agricultural issues? Of course. Yeah. And, and just, you know, aside from our amazing youth programming, the indigenous food and agriculture initiative serves all of Indian country, uh, tribal governments, indigenous producers and food business owners and and producers and um uh one of the uh groups that we work with closely is the native farm bill coalition we're the research partner for the native farm bill coalition and um uh within the farm bill a very important agriculture law um there are 190 unique uh, provisions that um, indigenous people across the U.S. Turtle Island are asking for that that group is um, is advocating for. They include um, more sovereignty over how uh, federal funds like from the USDA are administered, um, but also more freedom to be able to implement some of those like land stewardship um and indigenous knowledge practices that we know are held throughout um, indigenous communities, but aren't always um, acknowledged by um, local governments or the federal government. So strengthening uh, sovereignty and ability to exercise um, traditional practices, I think is, are some of the things that are unique. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, absolutely. That. Oh, I, I'm wondering, Okma, 
uh, Ogama and uh, if we, Summer can talk a little bit more about this food and ag, uh, indigenous food and ag, and how to sign up and what to expect. Yeah, well, um, like I said, we're in Fay- I'm in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Y'all comment on my accent, <laughs> and um, I'm from Oklahoma in the Cherokee Nation, and um, Fayetteville, Arkansas is not too far away from the state line with Oklahoma. Um, and there's a, a big Cherokee and other indigenous presence in Fayetteville. And um, uh, it's hot in the summertime, but, you know, it's a place that we're happy to welcome youth from all over. Um, we're on the um, traditional lands of the Osage and the Caddo and the Quapaw. And um, we are... Uh, Um, just, it, it was so fun last year to, uh, get to know, we had about 30 participants in the summit to get to know each one of these young people who came to us from really all over the globe, including Hawaii, like I said, and, um, Mm -hmm. learn together. I mentioned that there are, uh, four tracks that students can participate in and you don't have to be a student actually to apply. So it's for 18 to 25 year olds, but you don't need to be pursuing a, um, a degree. We are also open to, you know, any, any young people who are interested in agriculture, sometimes people who are wanting to become a producer or an entrepreneur or who already are, you know, uh, they're still welcome to attend. And, um, uh, with those tracks that they specialize in, they'll have a group project uh, working with peers that uh, we call a capstone project. Um, so we're building leadership skills, problem solving skills throughout the week. Other exciting things that we do, we hosted uh, some amazing Native uh, Native chefs, Denisa um, Livingston and Mackie Bancroft. They're uh, Dene and um, Ute, and they were here with us last summer, and we prepared an amazing meal using as many indigenous produced uh, foods and native to, uh, you know, this area foods as we could, along with some local food from the um, farmer's market locally. So we, we created an amazing meal together, all this all the participants got some experience working in an, um, a commercial kitchen, but also um, uh, working with these amazing foods. And then uh, through a, um, a sponsorship that we had, we got to send a box of a lot of those same foods to everyone's home once they got home. So that was a really, really fun part of the event. We also took a, a field trip to visit the Osage Nation's agricultural enterprises. That was a little road trip over to Pawhuska in that area. Um, we got to see their uh, bison processing plant and wow. um, learn a lot more about uh, their agriculture, tribal and agriculture endeavors and around that area. So lots of fun activities for sure. We keep them busy and we try to keep it dynamic. We also had presentations on law and policy. We're in the law school at the University of Arkansas and a lot of our work at the Indigenous Food and Agriculture Initiative is related to law and policy. So that stays a pretty strong um, uh, strength of what we are able to offer for students. So especially students interested in law and policy. Well, one of the questions that, well, one of the questions I was going to ask, sorry, Ogama, um, was, is there a cost to the student? That's a great question. Yeah, I know it's, it's free to attend for, um, accepted applicants and, um, that includes, uh, your housing at the university of Arkansas travel, including your flight, no matter where you're from to Fayetteville. So. Wow. Go ahead, Ogama. I was just going to uh, let everybody know that this year's uh, Native Youth and Food and Agriculture Leadership Summit at the University of Arkansas School of Law is set for July 18th 
through 25th of 2023, and applications are open to American Indian and Alaska Native and Native Hawaiian youth ages 18 to 24, and you do not have to be a student to apply. Applications can be found at Indigenous foodandag.com and the application deadline is April 3rd, 2023 at 1159 p.m. Central. Wow, great. Thank you, Summer. Uh, this is really what uh, builds community for us all over Turtle Island and, and your work is so, so important. We really uh, enjoyed having you on tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to get to do what I do. I'm so blessed, and I hope you all take care. We all will, y'all, y'all. All right. Hey, Ogama, <laughs> go ahead. We got a, we got 30 seconds. I just <laughs> want to drop it one more time. You can find yeah. applications and info at indigenousfoodandegg.com. Right on. Hey, we'll be up next with some news. You're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake. Please stay with us. Ho-wa. I heard sex trafficking happens a lot in Indian country. What is that? Here are some of the real reasons why sex trafficking happens in Indian country. Unequal gender roles that were forced on us by colonization. Communities don't have enough resources. Silence around domestic and sexual violence. Lack of attention and justice for missing and murdered indigenous people. There's a lot of behavior that keeps our communities out of balance. These are just a few true reasons why native communities are targeted by traffickers. When these acts of violence happen in our communities, it opens us all up for exploitation. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. Hey, Ogama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. How? Oh. Hey, I got a, like- I, I got an update Go ahead, here. It looks like the uh police Ogama are uh at the at the site now and I just popped up a video here but and muted the sound because we don't want any swearing going on here. And uh, it looks like they're trying to remove them, and there's quite a few police there, Ogama. Yeah, and it looks like they surrounded what is likely a sacred fire uh, that would have been lit. Uh, many of these uh, organizations and groups uh, that do uh, work and occupations in Native uh, country and Native territory or for Native actions do light a peaceful uh, sacred fire before they uh, begin an occupation or an action. It looks like the police have surrounded that and possibly surrounded the compound as well. I, I see a lot of red and white flashing lights uh, from this live video. It looks 
looks like that's coming in from Rachel Thunder of the American Indian Movement, yeah. live on site at the Roof Depot uh, in South Minneapolis. Yeah, uh, police surrounding it. Uh, no action taking place yet, but there's plenty of live footage going on. So there's a good 20, 30 of Amogama that are there. Oh, there's probably more than that. I've learned if I've learned anything about police and uh, occupations in the last several years, it's they kind of operate like deer when you're driving. Somebody taught me when I was driving that if you see one deer on the road or in the ditch, there's likely six more that you're not seeing. And I think police officers are tend to be the same way. So I would say yeah. there's probably more than that present, uh, even if we're not able to see them in this video. Well, that's a good analogy from up north there, uh, a deer analogy. I'd never thought of the police as deer, though, but that's an inner city thing. Oh, well. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Probably. <laughs> um, if I can, I just want to yeah. say um, – if you're listening to this, if you're seeing this, if you know what's happening at the Roof Depot, um, you know, if you can, get your boots on the ground and go support uh, the uh, Phillips neighborhood, East Phillips and South Minneapolis neighborhoods in this fight if you can. If you cannot, please put some asthma down, some tobacco down and some prayers up for everybody that's there. Um, I hope that there's no violence, but once the police show up, violence is sometimes imminent. And I, I pray for the protection of our relatives who are there right now. You know, it, also too, Ogma, it's we're about to get twenty inches here in the Twin Cities here, and mm -hmm. um, it's snowing hard now. And I think that's why they did this action beforehand. This morning, it was so beautiful and uh, prayerful. Uh, the press was out there for a press uh, release at one. Uh, I shared that on my Facebook. And we got a little update, you know, from Rachel, but things started heating up and she had to go early. And so, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And um, we thought we had a good relationship with Minneapolis and we have um, them polluting our BIPOC people with, I don't know, how many trucks are going to be going through there? I heard something like 700 trucks a day. I don't know um, if it's you, 700. Hear? I heard several hundred. I, I haven't heard an official number. I don't know if the city of Minneapolis even wants to release that information, if they have uh, been public with it or not. Because, um, I did hear that at the news, the, the, the news um, uh, thing at 1, that there was going to be 750 trucks coming in and out of there all day. Um, again, that's what they said. Um Right. And, but there's that whole area there would be great. You know, they have, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but to the left there, there's all this parking and garages that aren't being used. And then they have, it looks like uh, two or three football fields worth of uh, open land that they want to build there and bring all these trucks in here to park at night. And, you know, when it comes to diesel engines or any engines, when you are uh, warming up your car, uh, to get in, or especially diesels, you're going to be running, idling your car no matter what time of the year it is, Ogma. And mm -hmm. um, not to mention driving through there, but I mean, the idling of hundreds, as you say, hundreds of cars possibly. Yeah, well, and diesel uh, carries a lot more uh, toxins uh, in the fuel and the exhaust than uh, regular non-diesel gasoline does. I mean, we're talking things like arsenic and and other things in, in an area of the Twin Cities that already has a higher uh, rate of asthma. Um, and I know there's been some interviews done with other news sources um, like the Min Post and others that talk about how the community has had children that have been um, diagnosed with heart defects and things like that, that they think are likely caused by pollution or have, um, you know, suffered from asthma or even possibly passed on from those heart issues or asthma attacks as a, re as a direct result of this pollution. So right. when people are showing up in these neighborhoods angry, you know, those are the reasons why there's, these are people that they love that are directly affected by these issues. And it's really easy for the city to pretend like those aren't happening and turn a blind eye to that. And um, they're, they're there in peace and in power to say to the city, we matter and our communities matter, our children matter, our health matters. And it matters maybe more than your uh, public works project. Um, when no. it could, I mean, theoretically be placed anywhere. 
Right, exactly. And I don't know, uh, I might want to go live with the audio here. I'm not too sure what's going on. But right now, the police look like they moved towards uh, the red teepees there. And uh looks like uh, the signal is uh, doing the doing the uh, round. So right now, it's at a bypass, Ogma, and the police are edging towards the other people that are, uh, you, you know, there was a long tent there. There was a teepee there, there uh, one of those long army tents. And again, it's cold out there. People are risking, uh, risking their, yeah, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. And right. Thank you. But I was also thinking weather wise, because it's only about nine or 10 above here in the twin cities. And, uh, again, we're, if you're, if you're watching us, we're, uh, kind of explaining what we're watching here from a live Facebook feed of the police moving in, at the Roof Depot um, in uh, the occupation in Minneapolis here. And um, it's sad and sickening, and um, we're just watching them talk away and, whoops, and chat. <laughs> the cat yeah. just it, we're, we're looking at a scene where it looks like a couple of dozen, maybe uh, more police have shown up at the Roof Depot uh, occupation where people are uh occupying the site of the former roof depot um, demanding that the city of Minneapolis uh, give into their request to uh, turn that space uh, instead of a public works facility that'll bring in more pollution uh, into a community and urban garden center uh, that would allow them to bring in more health to their neighborhood. And they're there in peace. Um, granted, you know, they may be angry. They may be upset about what the city of Minneapolis has done, which has caused them to take this drastic ap- action. But I do want to reiterate that these people are there in peace and they're yep. um, already being met by uh armed police officers. And uh, I don't know, I can't tell from the back of that jacket, but there is a lot of red and blue lights. And if we know anything about how the city of Minneapolis handles protests, there's likely to be uh, some sort of antagonizing happening by these police officers at some point. So if you can uh, go support if you can, and if you can't uh, get down there to support in person, uh, put prayers up and, uh, you know, call the city of Minneapolis, call the mayor and tell them how you feel about this. Well, and, you know, support uh, the American Indian movement that's out there, the neighborhood. There's uh, websites. There's Facebook pages. uh, There's information out there. Uh, Again, you know, Minneapolis brings in police to remove people that are uh, peaceful protesting. We're having a snowing tsunami coming up here. And, um, yeah, it's... Again, Ogama, we're dealing with this again, and we put out tobacco and prayers for our people. There's the number. Go ahead and give it to everybody real quick. Yep. If you if you can't go down in person to the Roof Depot and you support, call the city of Minneapolis, 612-673-3000. That's 612-673-3000. Tell them how you feel about the Roof Depot. Hey, Pini Gigi Ogama for all you do here, and we want to thank our guests. A really interesting show. Thank Rachel. If you're listening to the show, you are part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops, the ground in which we stand on is sacred ground. Free Leonard Peltier now.